0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of landgrantholyland.com, your free resource for all things... Ohio State Athletics. I am your host Matt Brown. I am the college league manager for SB Nation or one of the college league managers and I am the managing editor and a co-proprietor of this here website which you can find at landgrantholyland.com. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter at landgrant33. I'm I'm on Twitter at Matt SBN and I'm joined as always by my co-host Mr. Colton Denning. Colton what's good buddy?
1: Oh it's Monday is it monday yeah it's monday it's, i'm feeling yep. good I, I don't have work today so i'm just kind of lounging out after working all weekend and uh ready to talk a lot of ohio state gonna get into new basketball recruit the indiana game and wisconsin game day is in madison and uh we all remember what happened last time ohio state went to madison when game day was in town unfortunately yeah th- that wasn't great we, we we do have we do have a lot to talk about
0: let's go ahead and start with some breaking news, well, as far as when we're recording this, this this is recording this here on on Monday, October tenth, in the afternoon. So you should be getting this on Tuesday. But some uh, some breaking news. That's my breaking news sound. Uh, we don't really have a soundboard anymore. So I hope you all enjoyed that. Ohio State basketball has a commit. Ohio State football has been a little bit. Uh, it's been a little bit slower on the recruiting trail. Since the, the typically big recruiting news doesn't happen. During football season, but the guys have the, the basketball. Buckeyes have been looking for somebody, uh, another ball handler or point guard for the class of 2017. They missed on a couple of targets. There's a few other bigger names on the board, but they were definitely underdogs for both of those. But now a name that wasn't really on the tongues of a lot of Ohio State recruitniks uh, has now uh, joined the fold. The Buckeyes have picked up their point guard for the class of 2017. His name is Braxton Beverly. And Ohio State has, I think, done okay with athletes named Braxton, uh, although Braxton Beverly does not look anything like Braxton Miller. Uh, he is a 5'11", Uh, Point guard from Hazard, Kentucky, and most recently of the Hargrave Military Academy, teammates of one Derek Funderburk, who is now uh, will be playing for Ohio State this season. Uh, If you are into the recruiting rankings breakdown, Beverly is the 307th top-ranked player in the country, the 67th point guard, and the 17th best player in the state of Kentucky. He is a consensus on the three-star scale compared to State has been bringing in players recently, like a .8497. Former Miami-Ohio commit, uh, decommitted, flipped to Ohio State, also has a George Washington offer. That's a pretty solid mid-major program. Uh, had interest from Western Kentucky, from Marshall, Butler, Alabama, West Virginia, a couple other bigger-name programs. So, I don't know if you, if you have any other burning takes here, Colton. To me, there's a, a couple of takeaways here. I would not expect Beverly to be playing a major role within Ohio State in the near and immediate future somebody who projects to have one really strong skill, and that's buckets, uh, both attacking the basket and long-range shooting. Uh, he did actually hit 70 points in a high school game once, which even if you're playing against a bunch of D3 NAIA kids, I, that's pretty good. If you just put, took me to the gym and I didn't have anybody guarding me and I had to score 70 points, it would take me like 30 minutes. So that, that's a plus. Smaller guy, I think it says a little bit more that Ohio State's recruiting ceiling I, for kids outside of the state of Ohio has probably gone down a little bit given their performance on the court recently. Buckeyes just swung at a couple of higher four-star, bigger point guard, bigger ball handler targets and missed on all of them. And if there's going to be an uptick in the kind of caliber player that Ohio State is going to be bringing in, I don't think we're going to see it until 2018, 2019, 2020, when the Buckeyes have a lot more scholarships to play with and can maybe tell a little bit more convincing of a story. This should end the class of 2017 recruiting. I do not believe that they have another scholarship open. Caleb Wesson is the other commit. He is a four-star big man local kid hopefully ohio state's player development has improved over the past couple of seasons and, and beverly is able to have a nice long career for the scarlet and gray
1: yeah I, I don't think i have too many uh burning takes on on this edition of braxton beverly it's another player for the ohio state basketball team you mentioned that he has one particular skill and matt you know right now who else has basically one strong skill and not much else uh who else would that be that would be the Ohio State offense. Uh, yeah,
0: especially from last week. Ohio State beats Ohio State football. Goes and, and plays Indiana. It's the first time of the season when they do not cover a big spread. And for large swaths of this game, I think it played out a lot like other recent Ohio State-Indiana games where the Buckeyes were in control-ish. Like I don't think there was not one second throughout that game when I thought Indiana could potentially win. But the Buckeyes had multiple chances really in the entire second half to just blow the game wide open and did not. And uh, it was, I think, a little bit closer than the final score indicated. And a big reason for that was Ohio State's throw passing offense was a throwback to last season, which is to say not very good.
1: No, and, and I think that A lot of the heat, and rightfully so, is going to go on JT Barrett because this is something we've seen before out of not only him, but this offense as well. But I think in just in watching the game again and and really looking at it, Barrett had a couple of overthrows. He had a couple of underthrows. He missed a couple of players, made some interesting decisions out there a few times. But I think you look at the wide receivers, and this is something that Urban Meyer mentioned in his press conference today. The routes weren't great. They couldn't get much separation at all. You had a couple chances. I think Noah Brown and Paris Campbell could have made at least two or three contested catches, and they didn't do it. You look at who got targeted, and I know that Dontre Wilson had the nice touchdown, but when Dontre Wilson is leading your team in targets, I don't think that that's a very good recipe for offensive success either, and I think just to if we're going to talk about the offense as a whole right now and kind of where it is and you know the, the running game's fine I think that we don't need to spend much time on that because they're going to just bludgeon teams and I think you look at the passing game though and the most frustrating thing that I think you can look at from not only the player standpoint but the most so the coach's standpoint is they've these are the same problems that they've had since 2012 when, when things go wrong that you know, they're trying to throw the ball deep like they did last year, but there aren't really any receivers that fit that profile. And that doesn't really fit what JT Barrett is good at anyway. And and I know that Meyer talked about that after the game is, you know, we we want to go deep with the ball. We want to be able to stress defenses like that so they can't they can't crowd the box on us. But at some point, if you can't do that, not even consistently, you can't really do it at all. Maybe you need to switch it up a little bit because it just seems like it's not not working and then the second portion of that is uh, once again JT Barrett just kind of gets run into the ground and he had a very good day but the the fact that he's getting what 24 carries 25 carries for 138 yards yeah that's that's awesome but you're really running him into the ground and once again Mike Weber six carries on the first three drives nine for the rest of the game he had, a six, he had a 53% opportunity rate, which means more than half the time he was gaining five yards. And then Curtis Samuel, only nine carries. I just, that, that's something to me that it just doesn't make sense that, you know, in the postgame, Meyer says nine carries, that's not enough for Curtis Samuel. And yeah, like, obviously that, that's not, he's the best playmaker on the team. And I think it's frustrating that this problem keeps popping up again and again and again, that whenever they need something, they just stick it to JT Barrett and he he can get the first downs and he can make plays. But when you totally disregard your other guys, we've seen them lose – games to Michigan State that way. We've seen them lose the what, the Virginia Tech game that way. So that's the most frustrating thing for me is that these problems are the same. And it's not like the defenses are stopping them because if this happens against Wisconsin and Mike Weber has 25 carries for 70 yards, like kudos to them for making plays. But when you're just force feeding one guy the ball and it's your quarterback, no less, I think that's the frustrating part. Yeah, I, I'm honestly more
0: concerned about that than I would be the the missing in the in the in the passing game. You know the the win is a little bit of a factor. Urban Meyer in his press conference on Monday said that, that it wasn't as big of a deal. Indiana a really good passing team. Only completed 50% of their passes. I think that was part of the issue across across the game. But you're going to have a couple of games where your wide receivers are going to struggle to get the right amount of separation, and Barrett's going to miss a couple of people on those downfield throws because he had he had people open. There were probably at least two touchdowns that came off the board because Ohio State just missed on the throw relatively badly. I think Meyer quoted as 8 and 10 yards off for those. But we definitely saw this in 2012. We saw it a lot last year. You can't just turtle your play calling and go JT Barrett left, JT Barrett right, JT Barrett up the middle. There's no reason for Barrett to get more than half of the carries when you're running the ball 50 times. And you have Mike Weber and Curtis Samuel and Johnny Dixon on fly sweeps and some of these other wide receivers who can who can be getting carries. Not only is that not necessarily the most efficient way, although 137 yards on 26, 26 carries isn't bad. It's really risky because there's no Cardell Jones waiting this year for Ohio State. There's no Braxton Miller. It's Joe Burrow, who is a— Redshirt freshman and not nearly as – and that does not have the athleticism or the the ceiling of JT Barrett. Like, you want to keep him healthy. One thing that I think Ohio State did really well the first couple of games this year was limiting Barrett's carries to single digits. And I think if we have a game where Barrett carries the ball for nine times – and uh, spreads it out between other 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 individuals, you're much more likely to have a very good day for Ohio State on offense. If JT Barrett's running the ball 25 times, that means some either passing plays turn into scrambles, or Ohio State's play calling kind of fell down a hole again, and that's not where they're going to be the most efficient.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, if you're doing that against Indiana's D, and granted, Indiana's defense is much better than we've seen in years past, so kudos to them for, for playing a pretty good game. All things considered, but if you're doing that against them, you're about to face up against the Wisconsin defense, and we'll get into that game in a little bit. I think we're, we're both pretty confident that Ohio State's defense should be able to take care of business. But you know, that, if that becomes a pattern, you're just going to run into the same thing that you ran into last year, where you're really just relying on the defense and a couple of big runs to win games. But you know, on the point that it's just the same thing. After the game, Meyer talked about Indiana playing in the Bear Front, which. most most famously, Virginia Tech used in 2014 to kind of stop the offense. And, and teams that they've played since then ha- have sprinkled it in, some more so than others. But he mentioned that that meant a lot of calls for Barrett outside on those sweeps and a lot of keepers on those option reads where defenses and in Indiana did this on Saturday where they're taking out the ability to give the ball to Mike Weber or Curtis Samuel. But like at this point, if Virginia Tech did that almost what two years ago, like shouldn't they have a backup plan if teams yeah. come out in the bare front I mean I, I think that that's just kind of the one thing where it's like okay teams keep doing this to you. you you should try to do something else and that's where the deep ball comes into play that hey as of right now it, it's not working and if that means getting the ball to Curtis Samuel shorter or even Dontre Wilson on screens like the the screen game is just non-existent for this team and it kind of seems like they're putting JT Barrett in situations where he's not comfortable as much as the defense is and so that's not helping and like just as a disclaimer like I don't think you or I are like coming at Tim Becker or Ed Warner or even Urban Meyer and being like oh the the coaching is shitty uh, the offense needs to be revamped yada 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 but I do think it's okay to be frustrated that when the offense sputters it's the same thing over and over and over again and for me it it's more so what they're doing than it is what the defense is doing to Ohio State's offense.
0: Let's, I want to unpack that
1: thought a little bit, because
0: at the end of the day, Indiana right now looking at it, S&P plus top 35 defense. It's pretty good. By far the best Ohio State has faced this season. Ohio State ran the ball very effectively. Won the game by 21 points, probably should have won the game by 28 or 30. It was much closer to being a 30-point game than it was a 7-point game against a team that will probably make a bowl game this year. And yet, uh and and, and by the way, the Ohio State secondary to help really slow down a very good passing attack. And now, 6 weeks into the season, they're the only team in the country that has yet to give up a rushing touchdown. They are ranked number 2 in the country. So by all all of that there, that's very good, especially because I don't think you or I expected Ohio State to be ranked as highly at this point in the season. I thought Ohio State would have lost a game by now.
1: So yeah that's that's exactly where I was too and I think to your point when you look at it in totality, not just the offense but the defense as well, I, I don't know how you can't be happy after five weeks. So let's let's talk about this a little bit then because uh, yeah you should be happy I think you should be happy. I mean like
0: those, those, that's an outstanding performance. The Ohio State has blown out every single team that they have played. My question I, I, to you: We kind of were, we're talking about this here a, a little bit. What what level of like frustration do you think is appropriate after watching the the passing game uh, at, at that point? Should, I mean, I I, I don't want to tell people how to how to fan, and I, I don't I don't think you don't either. But like, where wh- where where are where are you at? Like, what is, is should people be worried, nervous? Should be I'll be shutting up and being grateful for what's going on
1: here. What 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 do you think? I think just in terms of the passing game. And, and I've already said my piece. I think it's okay to be frustrated because it's just the same problem that we've seen in the past. And they talk about not getting Curtis Samuel the ball. And he didn't get a single touch, if I'm not mistaken, until the fourth drive with 14.20 left yeah. in the second, second quarter. quarter. And then that second TD drive right after that, five-play drive. Curtis Samuel touches the ball four times for 46 yards and a touchdown. And it's like, at some point it just clicks for them. Like, Oh, why is Curtis Samuel not getting the ball? Let's get him or, or Mike Weber, the ball. So I think it's okay to be frustrated from that standpoint, but, I think as well, you, you also have to remember that when you look at, at a totally new offensive line, and for the most part, I, I thought they played well. The couple of sacks that Barrett took, I think, were more on him than they were on the offensive line. But the wide receivers, there's really nobody. I know Noah Brown had, had the highlight plays against Oklahoma, but just, you know, from. A full game-to-game view nobody's really been consistent yet I think Paris Campbell may be that guy going forward as he gets more reps into the offense and what we've seen what he did on on kick return this week but they really haven't had a receiver step up and I think that that's maybe the one thing we haven't talked about because we've been so focused on either the play calling the coaches or JT Barrett's limitation is that the receivers for their part haven't played the best in I think that's kind of what we expected coming into the season. So I don't think it's right to be too upset, especially like you mentioned, when you look at it in totality, I think the defense is going to give this team a chance to win every single game they play. And honestly, we're five weeks into the season or five games into the season. I think this is the best defense they've had in a while. I think this team probably reminds me the most of the 2013 team and that the passing game is going to be. A total adventure, and the running game is going to be awesome. But this time, the defense is there, and outside of Michigan and maybe Alabama, I think it might be the best in the country. You, you, you may, you may be onto something.
0: Let me ask you a completely different question right now. Now that we, we've talked about. I feel like we've we mined about what we can get here out of Indiana, and and where Ohio State is right now. The Buckeyes are playing a game of some note this weekend. This cut this starts what I think should be a very difficult stretch in the schedule here for Ohio State relative to what they faced in the beginning of the year, and that's Wisconsin. Wisconsin, a top. You know, I think the last eight people coming out here. I think I think they're I think they're a top ten team. Like this 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 the game day is going to be in Madison. It's going to be at night. Uh, the Badgers have performed dramatically above expectations. I think, and part of that might be a reflection of uh, their schedule. Maybe not quite being as a, much of a monster as we thought, but they've beaten Michigan State. They've beaten LSU. They played Michigan very tough. They're four and one right now. Ohio State is, I believe, the last time I checked, a ten and a half point favorite. What are your thoughts here coming into this game? Because I, I, I have some Wisconsin takes, but I'm interested here to, to what you're thinking.
1: Well, I think it's going to be a lot of what we've seen outside of the 2013 game and, and obviously the the Big Ten championship game in 2014 against Wisconsin, where it's probably going to be on the lower scoring end. I would be pretty surprised if Ohio State matches the 38 points they've scored. I think they're more than likely going to be one of the lower scoring outputs of the season. And looking at it from the defensive side of the ball, I don't know how, just like from a general view, I don't know how Wisconsin is going to score more than like 10 points in this game unless Ohio State throws a pick six or there's a fumble recovery for a touchdown or they score a couple special teams touchdowns. Wisconsin's offense is bad. They can't throw the ball. Running hasn't been great either. They're ranked 100th in S&P plus on offense. So for me, if Ohio State just kind of shuts down that offense, another thing they've been great at their third in special teams, S&P+, Plus, and that's something I don't think we've talked about enough. They should be able to win the field position battle again and at least give the offense chances to start on you know the 35-yard line or sometimes with the field flipped on Wisconsin's 40-yard line and be able to make those scoring drives a bit easier so they don't have to go 90 or 80 yards against the Wisconsin defense.
0: The Ohio State's superiority in special teams when it comes to field position and their ability to flip the field is probably their most underrated, dramatic advantage. I'm looking at S&P, S&P Plus right now for special teams. The Buckeyes are third, and that that matters a great deal against a team like Wisconsin because as good as Ohio State's offense is, I do think it is pretty good, 11th in offensive S&P Plus. It will be difficult to consistently have long drives the length of the field against Wisconsin. But because of that situation and because of the potential m- mismatch, between Ohio State's secondary and Wisconsin's passing game. That's going to give them a position to get in some shorter fields. It's, it's uh, I, I completely agree. I don't see how Wisconsin scores a bunch of points here, and historically, that's been the case. Like, I, I, I get that I think this is because of the the early 2000s. There's there's this thought here that's been kind of beaten in a Ohio State fans' brains that it was this is always a really tough game and you know Wisconsin's always a big threat here. Do you know how many times Wisconsin has won this beaten Ohio State in the last decade?
1: 2011 is the only time I can really remember. 2010. To, to, yeah, 2010. Yeah. That's that's about it. That, that 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 is literally it. Wisconsin has won
0: once in the last 10 years. Oh, since 2000, Wisconsin has scored 30 points in this game once. And that was, again, 2010 when they got 31. They've only cracked 20 points like three or four times. It's it's typically a lower-scoring affair. And the Badgers have really, uh, throughout our lifetime, not really been able to, to score a bunch here on Ohio State. And that's going to continue because they have a little bit iffy quarterback play, certainly not explosive quarterback play. They're gonna be throwing a redshirt freshman in here and they are a hundredth in, in total offense. This is not the same Wisconsin rushing attack. It is the same Wisconsin passing attack, which is to say it's vanilla bland and and not especially exciting. So I, I don't think they're going to be able to throw the ball down the field very much. And if you get them in consistent enough passing down situations, which I think Ohio State can do over the course of this game, that's where you get turnovers.
1: And to be fair, you know I, I said that Wisconsin's passing attack wasn't very good. To be fair, they are ranked 13th in passing S&P Plus for a freshman. I think Alex Hornibrook has been fine. But watching that Michigan game, he made a couple of plays. Uh, I'm not sure that some of the the crossing routes and some of the other throws they made against them are going to fly against this secondary and with how athletic Ohio State's linebackers are. But if Wisconsin wants to make this a close game, They're going to have to be able to run the ball, and that's where I think they're not going to have a shot, because you look at their offensive line, and that's kind of been the staple for them over the last, what, two decades, and they're 110th in opportunity rate, they're 85th in power success rate, and for as much consternation as there's been about the Ohio State's defensive line's ability to get to the quarterback in passing situations, they're fourth in adjusted line yards, they're eighth in opportunity rate, and they're third in stuff rate, so they're, they're causing a lot of havoc and that's where I think this game is going to turn where Wisconsin is going to be forced to make plays on passing downs and as as we've seen with other teams you get into third and 10 third and 12 against this secondary you know good luck because you're not going to get much so here's my my blazing hot take and I feel like I've actually been relatively
0: conservative about Ohio State this season I think I've picked them to not cover the spread in just about every game I thought they were going to lose to Oklahoma I want to step out on a limb here I think Ohio State's gonna beat Wisconsin I think Ohio State's gonna beat Wisconsin relatively handily like it's a 10 and a half point spread I think they win by 17. I think'm I'm looking at something like a 30 to 10 33 to 10. 33 to 13 kind of game here i don't see how wisconsin's able to get enough points i don't see how they're not going to be able to turn the ball over i think ohio State's speed is going to be able to allow them to have more success against this defense than than michigan did they're going to get some gigantic defensive play that will give them a short field i can i I can i can imagine this being very ugly without ohio state shooting itself in the foot it's really hard for me to see a scenario where wisconsin wins i i might just be a hater I do not think that this team is as good as, as as their record or as their ranking right now.
1: I am much more concerned about them going on the road playing Penn State than I am this week. I am, yeah, too. Randall. I am too. I think that Penn State can do much more offensively, even though their defense hasn't been as good as it, it's been in the past. We've seen Ohio State be in a kind of, I guess, more of struggle type games against Penn State. You go back to the 2014 game in Happy Valley. That's going to be another night game. I think that that's going to be the one where we're really going to see the strength of this team. But I'm with you. I think that just on paper, I don't think they should blast Wisconsin by 30 points, but Ohio State is a much better team. And like you're saying, if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, I think that they should comfortably win this game and it'll be a nice win for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So other than – I feel like uh, this, this week is a little bit lower on really big national-type games outside of this Ohio State one. Is there anything else that you are looking forward to in particular for, for week seven outside of the uh, Ohio
1: State uh, battle here? The only game I can really think of is Alabama-Tennessee just because Tennessee was so hurt against Texas A&M, and they, what, fumbled the ball seven times. Fumble Luck finally came back and rightfully bit them in the ass after the way that they had played the first four games of the season. But um, I I think if they're a little bit healthier than they were last week, that they should be able to give Alabama a scare with what their defensive line can do, with what Derek Barnett can do in rushing the passer and kind of causing some havoc. And Jalen Hurts, as as good as he's been, it's going to be... A pretty rocking place there in in Knoxville. And I think for a freshman going into that environment, Tennessee hasn't beaten them in so long that I I think Tennessee has a real shot to at least, if not win, make it a very, very good game. And I think this is going to be Alabama's biggest test so far. That's the other big game. I'm much more bullish on Alabama than I think you are. And 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 I don't know if it's
0: just from watching the first four Tennessee games this season. I didn't I didn't really get to watch much of the A and M game. Uh, that's conditioned me to think that they'll just get blown off the ball. But you know, I'm happy to talk. My try to talk myself into anybody beating Alabama. That could be that could be interesting. Let me try to talk you into this noon slate a little bit. So one, if you are a Big Ten aficionado, Minnesota Maryland is kind of like winner basically clinches the bowl game, loser things get a, especially Minnesota loses this game. Maybe, maybe things get a little bit more awkward for the, the Tracy Clay's era. That's not a, I don't, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to be interested to know what's going on. You've got Kansas state and Oklahoma and NC state at Clemson. Those are, those are both watchable noon games, I think.
1: NC State's a good football team. I know that the game and that Notre Dame game this past weekend was like one of the greatest games I've ever watched. And I'm going to watch it again at some point this week just for the sheer hilarity of seeing them play literally in a hurricane versus Notre Dame. But you look at their advanced profile and they've had a pretty solid start to the season. That ECU loss isn't as bad of a loss as I think we may have thought it would have been at the start of the season if you told me they they were going to lose to them. But I, I think that Dave Doran and Eliot Drinkwitz have done a pretty good job utilizing their talent on offense. And I think that they should be able to at least play with Clemson for a couple of quarters. And we'll see kind of where Clemson is at headed into the meat of the schedule. Big Ten wise, I don't know if I can watch any more of Minnesota. I watched far too much no. of Minnesota Iowa. That was one of the worst games I think I've ever seen. Other than that, though, I I think we're starting to get into the portion of the season where things are going to get a little crazy. You're going to see teams lose to teams they, they wouldn't. Nebraska-Indiana, I think, is a very intriguing game. I talked with Kyle Robbins on the podcast last week about how if Indiana played Ohio State tough, that should have... Given them you know, a good amount of confidence heading into that game. And Nebraska's ranked 10th in the country right now. I think that Bloomington will be sold out. It's homecoming. That place will be rocking. And they have a legitimate shot of winning that game. But just as a Big Ten slate, I think it's intriguing. Michigan State could absolutely lose to Northwestern at home. Iowa, could lose <coughs> to Purdue on it, the road yeah. is as weird as that sounds that doesn't sound weird and at all I mean I, I don't think Illinois will lose to Rutgers but when you lose to Purdue anything is possible so real quick before we wrap this up
0: let's talk about something real fast I want to talk about Notre Dame super quick they lost the hurricane game and that's funny because to me Notre Dame losing is always funny they are 2-4 and four. they host Stanford at seven thirty. game that we're not going to watch because we'll be watching Ohio State and Stanford doesn't look as good I they got I blasted by Washington and Washington State. But here's the rest of Notre Dame's schedule. Home for Stanford. Home for Miami. Miami's good. Home for Navy. Navy, now in the top 25, just knocked off Houston. Home for Army. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Navy Navy's on a neutral field. Virginia Tech, who also looks pretty good,
1: and at USC. Notre Dame's going to miss a bowl game, aren't they? I think it looks pretty likely at this point in... I don't think that I mean I don't know how you could call it a fluke with what we've seen from Texas the last three or four weeks I think that they're you know they're an average team they're they're a top fifty top fifty five team Duke I don't think is very good Michigan State is not good at all and Stanford all. I I know that Stanford has looked pretty bad especially last week but. They still, I think, if they just decide, well, let's just give Christian McCaffrey the ball 40 times, they should be fine. They may get blasted versus Miami and Navy. And then even, like like you're saying, Army, VT, USC, you can make a case of them losing out and finishing with two wins on the season. I'm apt to think they'll win probably two of these games, but... Yeah, I, I don't think that Notre Dame's going to go to a bowl, and I think it was one foot down the SB Nation Notre Dame site. They just put out a, their podcast last night, and I think that they had finally uh, they jumped ship on the Brian Kelly era saying, you know, we, we like the guy, but it, it's time.
0: Yeah, I I don't think I'm on that train, and part of that is because I have no idea where Notre Dame would go. There's not really a, a plethora of Notre Dame caliber or, or you know not caliber but coaches that could that could operate another day it would be open right now I, like our doozy and uh you know some of these are kind of fluke losses they, they had some attrition issues here but this might be the most fascinating school to watch from the coaching search perspective because they were thought to be a, a playoff caliber team they've stumbled unexpectedly here and i'm looking at this they're going to be favored against army although this is the best army team in like 12 years they're going to probably be favored against navy and uh, that's that's a tough game and navy's good I think they might be underdogs. I haven't seen the Stanford line, but they're going to be underdogs against Miami and Virginia Tech and USC. Nuts. It's, it's it's nuts. There's there's going to be some weird firings here. Maybe it's Notre Dame. Maybe it's Oregon. Maybe it's USC. Maybe it's somewhere else happening relatively soon. This uh, is
1: like totally off the board and, and maybe relates to, to Notre Dame a bit, but we talked about Michigan State. and. Mark D'Antonio was a guy whose name was mentioned right after Les Miles got fired at LSU. I'm really interested to see how they finish out the season because if they do lose, I mean, at this point, you would say the likely losses are to Michigan, Ohio State. They have to play at Penn State and then maybe at Maryland. I know the the Northwestern game is going to be tough. You know, they could miss out on a bowl too. And and I would be interested to see whether Mark D'Antonio would jump ship or he would stick around but i think if brian kelly did get fired that would be an intriguing name for notre dame
0: i would be shocked if you left michigan state but a lot of things about this stupid sport have shocked me uh i think we can go ahead and wrap it up there uh you can follow the website land grant 33 we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on pinterest uh we're on there's I mean, probably a peach account somewhere but we're no we're not updating that uh you can of course find the podcast on soundcloud and on our website and on itunes feel free to say nice things about us or mean things about us you know i'm not your dad i'm not going to stop you uh you can always email me at matt.brown at sbnation.com if you have a question if you have uh, uh something you'd like us to read on the air if you have some some negative feedback that's okay i'm growing up i can take it want to hear from you It should be a fun game here this week. We're getting into the the real meat here of Ohio State's schedule. We're going to have some interesting analysis about this game coming up this week and, and some deeper dives, so be sure to stay tuned to the website. Thanks for listening, everybody, and go Bucks.